From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. I really do think that the best, you know, the, the quality of an entrepreneur, especially when they're starting, um, starting their new businesses, but even as they mature, is like that you're afraid, but you, you, you know, you do the work that needs to be done anyway. My guest on this episode of What the Job is entrepreneur and former self-described futurist nomad Jacqueline Cardinal. Along with her brother Hunter, Jacqueline is the co-founder of Nehewin, an enterprise that provides Indigenous-based solutions for the improvement of diversity and inclusion in businesses, organizations, and institutions. I talk with Jacqueline about the lessons she's learned in her winding career journey, her fondness for words and philosophy, what it's like to run a business with her brother, and why heart work is key to her success. What the Job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monarchs program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash ualbertaalumni. So what's your name and what's your job? Uh, my name is Jacqueline Cardinal, and I am the Managing Director at uh, Nehewin, and I'm also the VP Brand at the Social Awareness Group. Can you tell me a bit about Nehewin, and then maybe tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like in your roles? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Nehewin is a, a social um, storytelling and education uh, enterprise, which offers sustainable practical Indigenous-based solutions for the improvement of diversity and inclusion um, for businesses and organizations across Turtle Island. So uh, a lot of the work that I do on a day-to-day basis is is essentially consulting work, um, meeting with clients, understanding their problems, and uh, doing doing research, sometimes teaching, um, but really, you know, trying to figure out how can we help um, Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples really uh, really connect. And um, and again, working in these really important areas of diversity and inclusion, obviously in our current eras, is extremely important. So um, using and bringing the Indigenous lens that I have is, is, kind of, uh, is kind of what I do. So I love it. I feel really, really lucky to uh, kind of get out of bed and be able to do this work each day. And how did you get into this work? Where did it, where did it come from? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I kind of fell into it. Um, yeah, after after graduation, um, I actually moved to the United Kingdom and, and lived there for um, a couple of years. Um, had a little bit of a winding path. I, I worked in a, a marketing. I did some web development. That was actually how I got myself through um, my uh, my degree when I was going to the U of A. Um, and and just you know trying to trying to figure out how could I. Uh, get the nomad life, um, the uh, the uh, kind of uh, futurist nomad life, where I could uh, be a remote worker and go where I wanted and travel, and and that was kind of the um, that was kind of the dream. And and so you know, once I achieved that, it was a little bit of a you know a sh- kind of a retrospective of okay, it took me about two years to figure out how to be um, a, you know a, a nomad. And and uh, when I look back, I was kind of like you know I really. I really love the idea of figuring out how I could, um, you know, have more impact in the work that I do. So, um, so you know, it was this it was this question of, you know, when I when I came back to Edmonton after 
after being away um, of, of connecting with actually my, my younger brother who he himself was just finishing up his degree um, and uh, in, in acting actually, uh, he, he took the BFA program at the U of A. Um, and we both just, you know, had a really frank and, and you know, honest conversation while we were watching a, a lawn bowling game, long story. Um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, just kind of talking about, okay, like, you know, we have this kind of, you know, interesting mix of skill sets between us. Um, our family has this really long uh, tradition of working in community and figuring out um, how to kind of help our communities. Um, our indigenous communities have, uh, you know, gain, gain our rights back, make sure that they were um, entrenched in the constitution back in the 60s and 70s. Um, and then since then, you know, lots of activist work. So we're kind of like, okay, maybe we should do something in that space. Well, you know, let's just start a company um, and just kind of make ourselves selves available and kind of see uh, where things take us. And so um, we really started out with Naheo and we kind of used the career capital that I had already um, as, a, as a marketer um, to kind of just take on marketing uh, clients to kind of, you know, pay the bills and, and continue to kind of grow our Rolodex in this work um, of diversity, inclusion and, and representation. And, um, and yeah, and so it was, you know, over time, it took about, you know, once we had our kind of marketing uh, clientele kind of nailed down and we had, we were, we were servicing those clients, it took about a year for us to really transition fully from marketing to kind of working and doing the kind of education and storytelling work that we do now. So it was, uh, you know, over time, it kind of formulated into, you know, a kind of a more targeted set of services that we provided, which really, again, you know, kind of uh, over time, we kind of figured it out as we went. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that I would have had the ability to you know, even when we were starting the Hayowen or when we were thinking about what kind of impact that we have in communities, what our work would look like. So it was, it was a def definite iterative process for us. I just want to say, I love the term, uh, nomad futurist or futurist nomad. It, yeah, yeah. it sounds like something out of a cyberpunk novel. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that was the dream. I felt very cool thinking about that, but, um, but yeah, turns out it's just, you know, working on a laptop in a, in a, in a cafe, which is fun for like a year. And then it gets a little bit, you feel, you feel a little untethered, but you know, to, to each their own though. I know a lot of people really love it. Yes, exactly. Um, I am curious, you know, your brother is an actor, you have a, an arts background and it seems like there's a lot of creativity uh, that goes into and storytelling that goes into the work that you do. Uh, so I was curious if you could expand on how that plays a role in, in your consulting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, you know, it, it was really interesting because I think that that aspect of how important storytelling is in our work, I think that really surprised both of us. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that, uh, you know, especially if you kind of go through, uh, you know, mainstream, I mean, you go through high school, you know, go get your higher education it really kind of registers just how important the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are, about, um, you know, the kind of global context, about, you know, the various communities we might be a part of. I don't think it's clear um, at the outset just how, how critical those stories are, um, because they really kind of set how we think about, um, you know, our place, about our power, um, you know, both in kind of, you know, the kind of uh, the privileges that we're born with, but also in the ability that we ha actually have to make change. Um, you know, I, Hunter and I really believe, and this is why we actually called our company Nahewin. Um, it Nahewin's the actual, uh, it's a bit of an anglicized version of the word for our language, Nahewin, um, which uh, is, a, you know, kind of a callback to a, a family saying that we have, which is, 
when the people forget, the language remembers. And so, um, you know, really looking to language and storytelling to help us kind of um, resituate the way that we think about ourselves. It really, language really changes the way we think. Stories really change the way that we that we think and that we act. Um, and so it was kind of, uh, you know, again, kind of just stumbling into it, just kind of figuring out that, oh, actually, when we're talking about a topic as complex as, you know, Canadian history, um, uh, you know, indigenous histories, kind of pre-contact Turtle Island stories about what it, what are treaties, what does the future look like? Um, you know, it really is just a long set of stories and it, and it helps you when you're thinking about, okay, you know, where are we going as Canadians to be able to kind of situate yourself within this kind of long story that we're a part of. Um, and it's, and it's kind of funny too, because you realize how um, not subjective that history is, but just how, um, how often we, we kind of take for granted that like, you know, history is, it's, it's constructed after the fact, we kind of make sense of all of these, these, uh, you know, these contexts and all these happenings, all these events, um, after the fact, and we kind of connect the dots, but, um, you know, that's, that's not really what real life is, but it's how we as human beings make sense of it. So it, it makes sense to me after the fact, now that we're actually doing this work of, of doing storytelling is a, is a critical part of our education. Um, it, it, it makes sense to me that storytelling became a part of it. I think it's also interesting that you point out that Nehewin is an anglicization of, of the word. Uh, and it's, I think, a reminder of who has traditionally uh, told our stories, where those stories have come from, and whose stories have been erased. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, and this is, this is, you know, I'm, I'm referencing and, and, you know, in this conversation, I'll, I'll pretty much only be able to, to really reference teachings from, from my own culture, from the Nihiao people, um, you know, our, our communities tend to be much more open with our language and our teachings and the, and the way that we um, kind of think about, you know, these knowledges that we have, like who, who's suitable to hear them. So, so that's, that's kind of, you know, where, where I'm coming from. And I know a lot of cultures, um, a lot of other Indigenous peoples have different, different ways of, of treating their knowledges. And I, and I totally respect that. But, you know, from, from our perspective as, as Cree people, um, sharing these stories about who we are and, uh, and in our, you know, our teachings about, you know, from from the land, our, our sacred laws, these kinds of ways about how to live a good life. Um, these are these are stories and teachings that are supposed to be shared with our fellow treaty people. Um, you know, I I know that um, you know our family we have a quite a deep history, as so many Indigenous families do, with um, with the with the treaties that have been signed in the various regions where we live. Um, and and we really do believe that you know in the treaty uh, in in that treaty making process we became family with all the non indigenous peoples that that share these lands as well, and you know we you know we as contemporary peoples we can't kind of go and undo and make you know somehow the history of you know everything that's transpired since the treaties were signed unhappen, um, but what we can do is kind of you know pick up these old tools pick up these old stories and really try to live them out in our own lives. Um, and so they, I, I think that it's really important and, and Hunter and I really see a lot of our role in our, in our work that we do as being these bridge walkers between these, uh, you know, these two parts of our communities in the hopes that, you know, everyone can learn how to walk these bridges themselves. And so, you know, and maybe it's not a great uh, business strategy, but, you know, our, our dream is to eventually not be needed and for our kids to kind of like laugh and say like, what did you do? Why was that even necessary? Everybody knows A, B, and C. 
Um, so that's the kind of idea. But, um, you know, being able to share, uh, you know, trad traditional kind of teachings and knowledges and our stories from an Indigenous perspective, um, you know, with non-Indigenous peoples, I think is a really neat way to kind of help, again, open people's minds about looking at the world in a bit, in a bit of a different way and kind of see the richness that's around us. So, um, yeah, again, I love the work that I get to do. I feel unbelievably lucky. I was just going to ask you what success looks like for you guys. What what do you think is success? And you seem to have hit on that. I, I'm also curious, and you can expand on that if you like, but I'm also curious what your clients, how they respond to this and uh, what the feedback they give. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, success is, is absolutely eventually not being needed. Um, you know, I think um, this, this era of, um, you know, it's, it's so characterized by, you know, the truth and reconciliation commissions, um, calls to action and so many of the other, um, these seminal documents that have, that have emerged in the last, you know, few decades. And I think that, uh, you know, so many of those, those documents really center around how do we kind of just, you know, stop continuing harms happening? Um, how do we kind of, you know, stem, you know, the, the continuing colonization of, of Turtle Island, of, of North America, of Canada. Um, and then how do we kind of, you know, ensure that we're respecting the kind of basic, you know, rights of Indigenous peoples um, and kind of, you know, addressing legacies of, of historic wrongs. Um, and that's that's all very, very important, very critical. But, you know, I think on, on top of that, we really need to, and we have the ability to, um, start thinking about what kind of future that we do want. Um, you know, I think, Again, it's very clear. I think we're all, you know, very clearly running away from a from a past that, you know, we're, you know, many of us aren't aren't proud of that we're we're a party to in, in many different ways, um, and uh, you know, or or you know, experience an enormous amount of pain and, and trauma from those histories. And that's, you know, it's it's important to define what you don't want any more of. Um, but in terms of what we're running to, I don't know that that's something that we've we've really articulated as a as a set of communities that that make up uh, the fabric of Canada. And so. Um, you know, hopefully uh, this kind of like, you know, as, as kind of sparking these conversations about, okay, if we're all treaty people, what does it actually look like in practice? Um, and that, that does require this kind of looking forward into the future and, and not seeing, um, you know, just a lack of pain, but actually like a future that we're really excited to meet. Um, and so, you know, that I think that can kind of lead into the kind of feedback that we've gotten from our clients, which is, you know, primarily... And, you know, maybe this is, you know, and I know that not everybody will agree. I think there are a lot of uh, other Indigenous folk in this space that, you know, have a very different uh, take on it. But I know for Hunter and I, we completely buy that, you know, each and every person that that uh, we end up working with, um, that they really want to know what to do. Um, you know, there isn't really a need to kind of, you know, quote unquote, hold people accountable, um, but rather kind of provide them tools to be able to do what they actually want to do. I. I think that we're in this really amazing kind of uh, uh, turning point in our histories um, where we, uh, where non-Indigenous peoples especially really want to figure out how to write our relations and um, just kind of realizing, looking around and seeing like, oh, we don't have the tools to do so. And so, so much of our work is just about kind of empowering, uh, you know, our settler allies to, um, to, to understand what we're talking about, what we mean, what Indigenous worldviews are. Um, how to kind of get uh, in order their own spaces so that it can be accessible for Indigenous peoples or, you know, peoples of all different intersectionalities to kind of enter 
but also, you know, where and how to support Indigenous peoples and, and again, peoples of all different identities and, and heritages um, to kind of do their own thing. I think that that's something that is a, a really exciting component of looking into the future is, um, you know, not just how can we make things less, you know, racist or less systemically challenging for people, but actually how can we fully realize the diversities of, our, of all of the different communities that live here? And that, that, that makes me really, really excited to think about. Are you optimistic then about where the future can go? Uh, absolutely. And that was actually one thing that Hunter and I promised ourselves was that, uh, you know, if, if we started to get pessimistic, we'd stop. Because, I, you know, I think that it's such an important part of, of this work is that it really needs to come from this, this place of warmth and, um, and excitement about the future. And that's, again, something that we, we really try to cultivate. And, you know, honestly, with the people that we get to work with, with the various clients we get to work with, but also when we get to interact with our communities through our public engagement processes or even just kind of research, um, it's kind of hard to not be really positive about what the future does look like. I think that it is, um, it is a place that I see uh, is, is, a, is a place I'm, I'm just excited to go. I'm excited to live there. I'm excited for my kids to be there. Because um, it really does feel like people are willing to kind of roll out their sleeves and do the work. The only thing I'm concerned about is, you know, the kind of stumbling block that I think we're all encountering, which is this kind of, uh, um, you know, the cancel culture, the kind of, you know, calling out culture that we've really experienced. Because, you know, what that is, is, is just, you know, how can we, <clears throat> the, the reality of the era that we're in is that we need to try a bunch of stuff, um, a, a bunch of new things that we perhaps haven't tried. And that failure is going to be an inevitable component of, you know, that trial and error, figuring out um, how to, how to you know, work together in a good way. Um, and we need to be able to mess up. And, you know, that doesn't mean letting, you know, anyone and everyone that ever, you know, does anything harmful back into a, you know, back into a relationship without them needing to do any work. That's not what forgiveness is. But, um, you know, having avenues and processes so that there is always a door open for people that do err to kind of come back and, and try again. That's something that we really need to figure out. And that's what we have as Indigenous people. I'm just like, I'm looking at our communities and I'm saying, oh, hey, actually, we do have teachings to help um, with this kind of area of grievances um, of, of bringing people back into community, you know, teachings like Tatawao, um, which is, which often is used to reference, um, you know, welcome if somebody's coming into a room, but what it really means is um, there is room for you, um, which I think is a really cool way to kind of um, recognize, again, the amount of power that each of us have in our communities to make space for one another. Um, and, uh, and I think we sometimes forget that, especially when we're feeling, uh, when we're feeling frightened or when we're feeling like the future isn't uh, a place of abundance. I love, I absolutely love this focus on, on language and the real nitty gritty of language. Uh, and, uh, and, and the sheer excitement you show uh, about it. Um, and I wonder how much, does that go back at all to your, to your experience as an art student? Oh, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, especially when you're, you know, I, I had such a great time going through my degree, even just because I, you know, I didn't have a very clear idea of exactly what I wanted to do after school. Um, so, you know, just kind of following my, interests and you know what got me really excited in class and just kind of trusting that you know the very Steve Jobsian kind of idea that you know the the dots will connect when you look back really helped me kind of you know not panic when I was kind of getting close to the end of my degree and kind of thinking like well you know what kind of crazy program did I make for myself through selecting all these different classes but 
you know, honestly, like all of the pieces that that got me really excited that I ended up pursuing over time, um, that actually really helped me kind of maintain uh, the curiosity that's so important in education and in in your career after the fact as well, after you're done kind of school. I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a you're never really done learning, of course. You keep you keep having to to learn, and that's what I love the most about um, about my program was just you know kind of going through and um, again maintaining curiosity there at the center. But um, you know the language piece was so critical. I in I think it was my last semester I took um, sociology of science, and it ended up being a very very small seminar type class, and um, and I and I completely fell in love with it. But it kind of helped me tie together all these kind of disparate threads that I'd picked up over my degree and I was kind of like, oh, I wish that I knew that this even existed. But, you know, I've, I've essentially spent, you know, since then kind of digging into that exact same, you know, kind of, um, you know, blending together different interests and seeing that that's actually a really great way to approach career and, and continuing learning. So, um, but yeah, you know, just, just being able to kind of read deeply, um, process things uh, and, uh, and yeah, just be able to compare these learnings across the board has been, it was it's been really helpful for my career. I always find when we chat with arts grads that there is, I mean, it seems almost universally there's a lot of anxiety for arts grads when they graduate because it's when they graduate because it's not a vocational degree that's training you for a specific job, but rather equipping you with, you know, you use tools a lot, giving you the tools that you might need um, for wherever you might go. I'm curious about, just to stick on the career path, what kind of skills from the jobs that you did, the odd jobs uh, in your in your sort of futurist mm-hmm. nomad life that you picked up from that have been most useful for you now? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, the things the things that I felt were the most valuable, I mean, were definitely just in like the the confidence to be able to kind of figure stuff out. So I don't know if that's so much a skill as much as it is like, you know, I I was able to kind of wrap my head around all these different types of topics throughout my degree. And I feel like I now understand like, um, you know, how to approach a new topic to, to learn about it. Um, learning how to learn was just so valuable for me during, uh, during school as well. Um, but yeah, so that was an important component. Uh, what else? I mean, just being able to write, um, being able to evaluate, I mean, especially in COVID times, even just being able to evaluate you know, the kind of news that's coming out. Um, uh, that's been really, really important for me. Um, time management uh, was also really, really valuable. Um, but you know, to, to speak to the kind of, you know, the more generalist type of education that you get when you, when you do have an arts degree um, is, you know, you, you, you really start to see, especially after school, just how much um, specialization is, you know, can be really valuable, but how, how unbelievably awesome it is to be able to be more of a generalist, um, to be able to make connections between domains, to be able to, um, you know, I really, the, the David Epstein um, idea of, you know, of having range of being able to kind of, um, you know, especially as we're seeing kind of, you know, uh, machine learning uh, coming down professions and, and artificial intelligence being on the horizon, wherever that may actually end up happening, um, is that this creativity about being able to um, generate new ideas and kind of remix new ideas as they come down, that's really going to be a, the differentiating factor. Um, so I actually think, uh, you know, art students um, are, are really well positioned for the future that is that is coming down the road, um, just because of how broad the skill sets that you get to develop are. I also want to talk a little bit about what it's like to launch a company, what kind of fears yeah. you had, what kind of, especially with a sibling, because I have two brothers, and I don't know if I could survive launching a company with them. 
Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely something. There was this wonderful interview that I remember listening to with, um, uh, I think it was Will Smith, and he was talking about like his kind of big differentiator um, and a thing that he knows about himself that like doesn't make him nervous when he needs to compete with people is that he'll he'll be the one to die on the treadmill. If people are going to get in a treadmill beside him, um, you know, he will outwork them. And I think that that's, um, you know, the kind of place that um, I kind of needed to get to was just, you know, being okay with just getting in there and really doing the work and not to kind of, you know, go, go too far into the kind of the, uh, you know, the kind of rise and grind lifestyle. Cause like I, I did find that, you know, while I really bought into that early, it, it's something that's not sustainable. So, you know, really taking care of yourself is important, but um, but really, you know, seeing that like running a business and being an entrepreneur is very much a process of being really, you know, sometimes scared and not exactly knowing what's going to happen next, but um, being, you know, knowing that you just need to meet that with, with, you know, just having butt in seat time sometimes that you're, you know, doing whatever that you're doing. But um, I mean, you said in, in, in your question too, that like, what fears did you have? I have fears still. Um, I really do think that the best, you know, the, the quality of an entrepreneur, especially when they're starting, um, starting the new businesses, but even as they mature is like that you're afraid, but you, you, you know, you do the work that needs to be done anyway. So fear is such a, a part of it, but, um, so, so that was a, an important piece. And, and honestly, like working with my brother, um, has been, uh, like such a joy. I find that, um, especially in the stressful times of, you know, building a business, Sometimes it's really nice just to be able to like, you know, not have to kind of, you know, hold back uh, when you're when you're trying to figure stuff out. Sometimes it's OK to just kind of, you know, say what needs to be said and your family. So it'll be fine. Um, and so that's that's really nice. Um, and it's it's also just good because in my previous work as a as a solopreneur, um, you know, it, it can get kind of lonely. So having having a really good partner and, and having it be your brother. Um, having it be a sibling has just been really great. So I enjoy it. I highly recommend it, honestly, um, especially if you have like a, a solid relationship and parents that are, you know, willing to, you know, kind of jump in and 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 provide, you know, being a sounding board as well is, is great. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And you bring up the idea that you can you can speak your mind to a sibling. And that's yeah. so true as well. I kind of wish he was here because I'm fascinated by how acting has helped him. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. in the world of like marketing or communications or or just talking to clients and things like that, I imagine lots of lots of acting and preparation. So maybe that's another thing we do down the road. I don't know. But, and and that's actually the thing that I think is his like main uh, like real strength. And I can talk about how much how awesome Hunter is for like hours. So we can we can you know keep this in a in a tight container. But um, no, but he he he's really really wonderful at actually connecting with people. Um, and, and that's the thing that I find is actually the real thing that comes out of, um, you know, the BFA program in specific is just, you know, being able to make connections, um, with people and make, uh, people feel like they're the only person in the room. So, um, and, and I find that that's what he's really, really good at, especially in this space that we're operating in, um, helping kind of lower stress levels, help people feel like, uh, you know, they're really connecting with us, I think is, you know, it's a real, uh, game changer. And I, slowly but surely have been learning from him as well. So I'm picking things up here and there. That's the, that's what I love about theater actually, is that, that sense of connection, right? When you're, when you're at a play, as opposed to a movie, you're there with the actors. And I, I understand you wrote a play. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, uh, together Hunter and I wrote Lake of the Strangers two years ago now. 
I, I can't believe that we've been in this uh, this COVID time for about a year now. But um, yeah, no. So that so I wrote that wrote that with Hunter, um, and that was also a family affair. Our dad was in it too. So, what was it like to? I think writing is like one of the hardest things. So how was? Oh, it? agreed. It is. Uh, yeah. No, the biggest of props to people that um, do writing for a living, like exclusively. Like, I don't think I could do it. But that was that was an intense process. Um, in a, you know, when I was in junior high and high school, I was super into film. So I had, uh, you know, I, I was really uh, kind of keen on going to film school and I actually did go for a year. Um, I ended up kind of, you know, finding that it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. So I ended up not pursuing it. But um, that kind of storytelling piece is so, um, it, it, you know, it's always been a love of mine. And same thing with, you know, my, my, my dad as well. It's just such an important part of our, of our families, that storytelling piece. So, um, but yeah, no, the, uh, the process was really great. It was, um, I'd never written anything before. Um, and so I, you know, kind of Hunter and I put our heads together and, and, and you know, and, 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 and basically put together this story, but it was, uh, it was a great, it was a really wonderful process for me because I do find that the, you know, the, that I think the most effective stories are ones that, and, and that are actually end up being the most universal or the most personal. Um, so, you know, I just basically kind of just dug through my own life, what it was like for me to grow up and to be a kid in the woods, um, or to, you know, kind of, you know, be a sibling because the, you know, the, the crux of the story is it's these two brothers as they, um, go on this nighttime fishing adventure, um, and it takes place in 1973, um, on our reserve in, uh, in Northern Alberta. So, um, you know, it was a, it, it was a really fun process to, to kind of put together, but it was, it was tough. There were, you know, especially with writing certain parts of the show. Um, I just felt like it was, you know, kind of a bit of a, bit of a like personal exorcism in some way. And it's, and it's remarkable to see how these things that you think like, oh, I'm the only person that thought A, B, and C, or, or, you know, I, I, this fear that I had as a kid and, and to have everyone kind of reflect that back to you in some way is just wonderful. But, um, but yeah, and seeing Hunter bring it to life on stage was just a trip. It was so fun. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. That's a that's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, going back to your career journey, it seems like it seems like it followed kind of like point to point to point to point. But I'm wondering if there were any moments where you were like, "I have no idea where I'm going. I feel stuck in in this path." Uh, or was it or was it as smooth as it sounds? You know what? It's so funny that you say it sounds smooth because that was not at all my experience. Again, it's like it's it's one of these things that looking back, everything tends to kind of look a lot smoother. Um, but I actually feel like every like two or three years, I kind of hit this point where I'm just like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Am I doing the right thing anymore? Um, am I even good at this? And I think that that, you know, people that that wonder um, and kind of reflect like that, like those are the people that are actually on the right path like a hundred percent because like that type of honesty that um that constant kind of self-reflection is just so valuable um but i mean like honestly i'm in that place now like i don't know exactly what i want to do next like right now but and and it's and it, again it, it does follow that every two or three years and kind of like is this what i should be doing is this what i was put on the planet to do am i um you know kind of uh you know the gifts that i was given um, you know, by the creator, by, you know, by the, by the cosmos, um, that I was, I was given to share with the community, like, am I doing that? Um, and that's a teaching from our, from our people that, you know, our gifts aren't for us, they're for the community. So we need to make sure that we're, we're giving those and, and, you know, developing those as best we can. So, 
Um, but it's, uh, you know, there are lots of moments where I, you know, I kind of thought about, it. I mean, I, I referenced one of them earlier. I went to film school, actually, I um, took the SATs. I got into a bunch of American schools. I actually went into the, uh, um, uh, one of the, uh, the film programs at um, uh, Public Ivy, uh, the, the University of, uh, of Colorado at Boulder, really, really wonderful film school. And then I left and I had no idea what to do for like, a, for like six months of just kind of floating around at, at home. Um, and it was, uh, it was a really challenging time. And I, you know, for me, I really buy, you know, what's, what's always gotten me out of it is the, uh, you know, I really love um, Foucault um, and, uh, and this idea of circumambulation um, and about how that's kind of the life path for, for most of us is we, you know, we, we kind of go in this spiraling path that kind of is always circling around what we're supposed to be doing. And the point isn't to get there. The point is to you know, always just get a little bit closer. And the way that we do that is by following the things that, um, you know, really fulfill us and make us feel alive and things that we enjoy doing and uh, getting away from things that, you know, don't make us feel those ways. So, um, you know, a lot of the times it's felt like uh, when I feel stuck, it's a case of you know, stopping certain things. Um, and sometimes that's all that's necessary. Um, sometimes it's just saying yes to a big opportunity. And just trying to keep the momentum going, you know, just kind of trying to whip around that spiral and get a little bit closer as best you can. Um, and that's what I found to be the most important is that in those moments, just say yes um, to, to things that you think um, are, are along, um, you know, that interest you and that get you excited and say no to things that don't um, and, and just try to keep the momentum going. That. I hear that from so many, not in those in those words necessarily, but I hear that a lot from a lot of our guests, especially the say yes to opportunities that excite you and be open to those opportunities. I've been thinking a lot about your comment on is confidence a skill? And I wonder how much that plays into the things you learn from the opportunities you take and what directs you to take new opportunities. And eventually, I wonder if that is building a skill of confidence over time. I don't know. I, it, I have no answer. Yeah, no, no, I don't know either. I mean, if you if you figure it out, let me know. But I do, I, I think it's, a, you know, is it a skill? Is it a habit? I kind of feel like at this point, it's a habit of just betting on myself that I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, the, that's the farthest I've been able to get with that idea. But yeah, no, the, the confidence to just kind of, you know, and, and, and trust. I don't know if it's faith um, that, you know, things are going to work out and that, you know, you've got a good head on your shoulders and you can, um, you can make it work, but, um, or, and that if things don't work out that you can also handle that. Like I got so much out of stoicism again, around that time where I was deciding to not continue with film school, um, you know, and doing that good logotherapy that kind of, you know, looking at, you know, getting a little bit existential, um, but just really looking at like, what's the worst case scenario and like, oh, I won't die. Okay. Then I can, you know, then like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. You seem to be drawn to diverse philosophies, like different types of, you know, you mentioned Foucault, now you're talking about stoicism. Why, why are you so interested in that? You know, I don't know. I, uh, I think I was like 17 or 18 when I realized like, I don't need to figure out, I don't really need to figure out life because like what 80 billion people have lived to date. So like, I can just build up of what they did, you know, and all the thoughts that they've had and kind of pick and choose and test them out myself. So I love it. Yeah, no. Marcus Aurelius has gotten me through this pandemic, for sure. I feel like I could talk to you about all kinds of topics forever, but we do need to keep it on <laughs> careers. The last thing I want to talk to you about before we go into the lightning round is 
I, I always ask my guests if uh, mentorship has played a role in their careers. What kind of people have helped them out and uh, have they been paying that forward? So I'll ask you as well. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I, I actually, um, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, I've, I've been really lucky to have friends that I think in retrospect, I considered mentors. Um, but I hadn't really intentionally cultivated um, uh, mentors in the past, um, but I am now. So, and I'm already getting a lot out of it. Honestly, just the the sanity checks that you can get from people that have, you know, seen it all has has just been super um, fantastic, especially in the last like few months. Um, but no, I mean, like, and I, I try to make myself available whenever I can. Um, I really buy that idea that, um, you know, you should seek to be the person you needed when you were younger. Um, so that's why, you know, one of the reasons I'm, I'm doing this interview right now is because I, you know, I, it was, it was important to me when I was growing up um, to be able to see and hear people that looked like me and, and were interested in the things that I was interested in. Um, I like to think that if, you know, there were more indigenous women that were in te into technology and into philosophy and, uh, and that kind of stuff, if, if I'd seen more and heard more from those types of people that maybe I would have found myself in the, you know, the career spot that I am in now. Um, because I would have seen that like, oh, that's kind of permission for me to go and explore those spaces too. So, um, so yeah, so I try to get out, even I think, you know, I, I consider mentors to be the kind of philosophical um, uh, kind of thought leaders that I was mentioning before. Um, but I, you know, so I see those mentors can also be um, people that I just hear good interviews with too. So, um, so I'm, so I'm trying to do that here, but uh, but yeah, no, I really want to continue to give back, um, you know, as I as I continue to kind of gain more experience and, and feel like I have something to really add to conversations. I do, I do honestly feel like now that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just in the, I don't know if I have advice to give as much as I, you know, can just kind of share experiences and perhaps kind of help people upgrade their problems. Um, but, uh, but that's pretty much it. So I definitely want to do more of that moving forward, though. Fantastic. You know, I, I, I think be the person you needed as a kid is is fantastic advice and uh, resonates so clearly i remember we interviewed uh a few we a few months ago um an asian canadian who just talked about how when he was young there were so many jobs that he knew he could never be because he'd never seen anyone that looked like him in those jobs and you know as a mm -hmm. as a as a white male that that's so foreign to me i just never really considered it that way so you know i think there's still a long way to go and a lot to learn but uh I'm glad we're making. Okay, so it's time for the lightning round, which is brought to you by our affinity partners, TD Insurance. I'm just going to ask you questions, and then the idea is you answer them as soon as it comes to your mind. You don't have to think too much about it. Uh, the first one we always ask uh, is, have you ever been fired from a job? I haven't. And you know what? I've never had a job that it like that I didn't like I've never had a real job so that's also another thing too maybe is interesting kind of tidbit but no never been fired but I have lost uh clients that I learned so much from so yes I have failures a very important and dear part of my process <laughs> when you were a kid what did you what did you want to be when you grew up I wanted to be an astronaut and then I wanted to be a film director and when you started university what did you want to be I had no idea. What? No idea at all. What is something that you wish people understood about your job or something that people often confuse about your job? Um, 
I think a lot of people think that my work is um, very cerebral and requires a lot of thinking and strategy, but I'd say about 90% of it is heart work. It is very much about trying to understand where people's hearts are and trying to move the heart because, you know, when you move the heart, you you move the mind. So, um, yeah, just how, how uh, yeah, that heart work is, is 90% of what I do, I feel. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing this job? Oh, that's a good one. I think about this all the time. Probably actually, uh, I'd probably be either a chef or working in a kitchen somewhere. I really love, I really love cooking and, and doing that stuff. So, uh, what's the, what's your favorite thing about your job? I mean, just, just the impact, just kind of, you know, having, getting the occasional email here and there, but like, I really changed their mind about A, B, and C, or they, you know, they have been able to share some teachings that we've, we've given with their communities or with their kids. That's just the best. Uh, the last one, if you could go back to yourself when you were in university, is there any advice you'd give yourself? Just to, just to say, you know, just uh, bet on yourself. Um, you, you've, you've got this. You can figure it out. And even if you can't figure it out, you can then figure that out. Um, so, uh, you know, have that skill or habit of, uh, of confidence and, uh, and you'll be all right. Jacqueline, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for giving us your time. Thank you. This was such a treat. Big thanks to our guest this episode, Jacqueline Cardinal, for coming on and talking about her career journey. And as always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free, and you can try it out today at uab.ca slash sboard. It's a great tool, no matter where you are in your career journey. That's it for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. Thanks for listening.